with another episode of I Know I'm Crazy. I Know I'm Crazy podcast. So I have a really awesome guest um, here today. Y'all know I, I just, I'm so blessed to come across some amazing people with some amazing stories. So I was perusing Facebook one day in my free time and I saw this interview on 700 Club, right? And it had, I don't know, maybe a million views. And it said something about custody, co-parenting, and y'all know that, that caught my eye. That's right up my alley. And so I see this guy talking about, oh, I, I've gone to court 40 times for custody of my daughters and I represented myself 15 times. So my ears opened up and I found him on Facebook. I just typed in his name, Bill Gobin, and he has, he has a Facebook page. And I was like, let me just try it. Y'all know that song. It goes down in the DM. I was like, you know what? Let me just see. I mean, he might be an actual human. Let me see if he'll respond to me. And I reached out to him, told him what I do, told him what I'm about. And I was like, I got this audience that would love to hear from you. Can you come and talk to us? So Bill Gobin is here with us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, how you doing? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So I'm going to tell everybody this beautiful spiel about you because they need to know about you. But first, I know I forgot to ask you before and mention it. I got to get better about this. Damn, man. So everybody that comes on this podcast, the podcast is called I Know I'm Crazy because I know I'm crazy. Every guest right. has to tell us why they know that they're crazy. So, Bill, why are you crazy? Why do you know you're crazy? Uh, well, I'm not scared to do the outlandish to accomplish the impossible. I will <laughs> tell you that much. Oh, we see 40 times in court. Damn. Yeah, it's, it's actually now 47 times and representing <gasps> myself 17 of those. Oh. And I've been successful at every hearing, every appearance. Wow. Okay, so let me tell you all a little bit about Bill. I'm not going to, there, there's so much that we have to talk about. So Bill has appeared in court 47 times during the long custody battle for his daughters, representing himself 17 of those times, and he's not yet lost a hearing. Using what he learned through many years of experience, including more than 20 hours spent in a law library writing his first motion, Gobin is now helping parents internationally devise strategies to increase the quality of their children's lives with both parents. Gobin has appeared on more than a dozen national talk shows as an obesity interventionalist and a life coach. However, these have not come without a cost. He gave up his very successful career working with actors and professional athletes in sunny LA to be an on-the-scene single dad who now supports his daughters by working in the dark coal mines of the Midwest. Now, there's a lot more that I want you all to know about Bill. Of course, as I always do, I'm going to share his bio, his links, everything on um, the website. So you'll see it all posted. Bill, there's, I don't even know where to go. So first, um, all these national television appearances. Yeah. What started to garner you national TV appearances? Like, did you reach out to people and say, hey, I got this important issue. I want y'all to know about it. Or how did that go? Well, well actually, the, the appearances started um, when the book, we were getting ready to do a launch of, you know, you're talking about the book, correct? The, whenever yeah. Launched, yeah. Yeah, when we got ready to launch. Well, we didn't of, mention the book, but yeah, we can. Yeah, so, like, well, I want to know about the TV appearances. Like, you know, because I hear so many dads struggling, but they don't they don't have a platform or they don't seek a platform to have their message heard to a lot of people. So how right. did you start vying for like, what made you say I'm pushing this all the way to the limit as many microphones <clears throat> as I can get? 
Well, what I do, I mean, like I said earlier, that I'm not scared to do the outlandish, you know, to accomplish the impossible. I mean, I've called the ABC headquarters in New York and got transfer, transfer, transfer till I got a producer's number and left a voicemail and got talk, got a call back and said, hey, look, co-parenting, you know, our country is in the middle of the worst co-parenting crisis ever. Let's talk about it. Damn. <laughs> so, yeah, and, Bill, you got, is this an inappropriate, Bill, you got some balls on you, honey. Nah, yeah, he is hey, calling just, up to ABC, NBC. Okay, so I know you've done a lot of TV. Um, yeah, without right. the names <laughs> of the shows, unless you want to, I, you know, don't have to, you don't have to. What was like your favorite TV moment? Uh, when Halle Berry walked into my green room by accident at the Steve Harvey show. <laughs> Who walked in? Wait, what? Yeah, Halle Berry and Morris Chestnut had filmed <gasps> a segment. Well, and so I was in the green room, in my green room, you know, waiting. And so they come out the back and down the tunnel and was leaving. And she turned into my dressing room, I guess thinking that it was a hallway by accident. And I looked at her, I was like, oh, Miss Berry, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> She was like, oh, I'm so sorry. How are you? And she shook my hand. And But that was cool. That's a cool moment because I think she is just, damn. I mean, she ain't no Miss Naja, but she's all right. I mean, damn. Okay, Bill. All right now. Hold on. So, Bill, how the hell do you land in court, in family court, 40 times, 47 times, though? Well, it, it, it's a crazy situation. I mean, it, it, you can tell just by the numbers. But when my youngest daughter was born, uh, Lily, she was two months premature and the doctors didn't think she was going to make it. They said, you all need to prepare yourselves. You know, this may not end well. Our other daughter was at the time 14 months old. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, and forgive me, if I get emotional, it, it is what it is. It's I ain't gonna, okay. You know, uh, hey, we, we, it's okay. So, so she was in, in NICU for uh, five weeks total, but she, it was on the 16th day that I come home and my wife had left. She decided to take off. And so she took our 14 month old, I one in NICU potentially dying, my wife is gone. And I'm like, if I can say this, bleep it, but what the, f you know, I'm like, what, what is going on here? So I call her up and I'm like, look, you know, um, I'm not sure what's happening here, but you know, I don't, I don't cheat. I don't run around. I work hard. You can do whatever you want career wise, education wise, you know, so we should be able to fix whatever's wrong, you know? And she was like, I'm just ready to have a life and party. And I said, well, that's a contradiction. Those aren't the same, you know, but none of have a baby in NICU and a 14 month old and a husband, but you want yeah, a party. Absolutely. So why don't she just leave the baby with you? Well, I think it was one of those things where it was pride within the family. She didn't want them to look down on her. I mean, this is my assumption. You know, yeah, 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 right. That, and just, just as a disclaimer, yeah, just as a disclaimer, people, and anyone listening, um, you know, this is his version of the story. Absolutely. So if some of her yeah. lawyers are trying to start some shit, come after me, yeah. okay? This is the, I told him to say this. This is me, so come after me. Go on, Bill. <laughs> well, well, number one, I have sole custody of the girls, so I can tell any, the story, you know. And right, you can right. tell the truth. Yeah, absolutely. So so that night that she left, you know, I, I called and I said, look, you know, no matter what's happening, we need to go. I want to go see Lily in the hospital. So she said, come get me. I'll pick her up. We go. She's like, I don't want to talk about this. Just Let's just go see her and, and, and go home. What the hell? Yeah, it sounds so, like there's something missing, though, Bill. Somebody just, you know how hard this is to believe? 
Well, I mean, here's the thing for me, and I mean, again, this is brutal, but look, man, people, I say all the time when I meet new people and you consider dating them, I wish you could jump six months ahead because people act for the first six months. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyway, she just, she just didn't want to do it no more. So it is what it is on that part. But um, <clears throat> we got back to her house, her mom, because she moved in with her mom and dad. And I said, look, before we get out of the car, we got to talk about something. And she said, well, look, I got a solution. And I said, well, what's that? She said, you take one and I take one. And I said, um, damn, I know what you mean, but I want to hear you say it. Like she the said, popsicles? Yeah. What? She said, well, look, she said, if Lily lives, let her live with you and I'll take Lexi. <gasps> and that sounds like said, something well, a sociopath would say. Seriously. She said, she said, we're, they're so young, they'll never remember each other and they won't hurt them. And we don't have to see each other ever again. Oh, shit. And I, and I said, well, until 10 seconds ago, I'd hoped we'd work this out. But just, I said, get the fuck out of the car. And I oh, committed yeah. to being a dad then. I mean, from that point on, I was committed to being a dad. So this is in January, okay, of, of 11. In April of 11, she calls me and said, in which I'm seeing the girls every day, you know, every weekend. I mean, it's just every month, as much as possible. So in April, she calls and says, look, you know, um, I want um, the girls to have to come live with you. And I'm like, okay, what's up? Well, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And she said, you got 30 days. I need to come live with you May 1st. So I'm scrambling, trying to find a 24-hour a day setter. And, you know, but I found it all, put it all together. And when Lily came home from the hospital, she had a heart and lung monitor hooked to her body. Oh. Because, you know, her systems weren't developed. And sometimes yeah. she, or she forget. But she point. came home, though, little baby. Yeah, yeah. oh, absolutely. And so when she brought them to me, uh, May the 1st of 2011, Lily still had all this machine hooked to her. So I had one in this arm and one in this arm. <gasps> And they're both crying, you know, because Lily was, her body hurt her. She just cried, you know, from being a premature. Yeah. Um, and uh, my partner was there to help me put all the stuff away. And after she left and then both babies are crying, he says, how the fuck are you going to do this, bro? Oh, <laughs> I, said, man. I said, dude, you know, I, I got to, you know, I, I'm, her, I'm their dad. And that's, that's our responsibility. It ain't, there's no way of turning it down or getting out of it. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to do. So he left, and, and I've told this a couple of times, but, you know, I sat down in a chair. They were both crying, and I just sat there, and I allowed myself to just, I mean, had a soul-cleansing cry. Yeah. And I said, now, man up, and let's make this work. So, you know, she saw him every other weekend for about a year and a half, and then she, as I say, wanted to kind of pick him up and play with him. So it began a court battle. And, I mean, during this time, which you and I haven't even talked about this, but this, you know, this is in the book. You know, she, the girls were injured seven times in 27 months. Three times they were almost killed while they were with mom. Once had a broken femur, which was in a full body cast. These pictures oh are actually god. in the book. Yeah, I didn't know any. Oh my god. So, so you know, so every time, you know, there's, a, there's these injuries, there's contempt, you're going to court and back and court. I mean, it just, it was a chaotic, just destructive cycle. And for me, I mean, I got tired of it. I didn't want to spend $60,000 in legal fees. But you know what? My job is to protect. And, yeah. you know, that's what leads up to all these appearances. You know, contempt on something, contempt here, contempt there. And it's just it's just absurd. But so, question. Kind of yeah, yeah. I've, you know, those of you that have been here with me for a long time, you, you kind of know my thoughts on 
family court and how it's not really built for our families. Mm-hmm. You know, they it's built for to pad the, attor- the attorney's pockets, the judge, the system to keep their lights on. They don't give a really, really give a damn how we are afterwards. And so you said that the kids were injured a lot. And I'm assuming yeah. there was neglect or abuse of some sort, you know. Well, it, it was, uh, I'll tell you this, it was being inattentive on the phone, on Facebook all the time, dealing with guys. You know, one time, little Lexi fell down the steps, knocked her teeth out on the steps. Oh, wow. She was, mom was texting and driving and, and T-boned a tow truck and it ripped Lily's face open. She had to have plastic surgery. I mean, it just went on and on and on but like you said and if you don't care i've got to expand because that was a great segue yeah the the family court system is listen for all the ladies out there that have dealt with this kind of crap the family court system is imbalanced in mom's favor i'm not complaining about that that is just a fact but yeah it is imbalanced because of decades of deadbeat dads Mm. And I'll own that. You know, you've got guys, you hear the stories in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, that they said, hey, I'm gonna just, I'm running away. I don't want to be a dad. I'm going to run away with my secretary. And this woman with no job skills is stuck with these children. She has to go on welfare. And Absolutely. So, so the, the system was created by deadbeat dads. I mean, I, I will acknowledge that. But that's not the world we live in anymore. Now you have dads that are standing up saying, hey, I want to go to my kids' play today. I need to take, half, I need to take a vacation day. Mm-hmm. You got dads that are saying, hey, I want my kids half the time. You shouldn't have to fight for something that's already yours. Mm. These kids are both moms and their dads. That's where people have to get over themselves. I've said this a million times. And get on the same page and get past their ego. Yeah, because it's our egos, right? Who knows all this? You know, I say that the ego, you know, spelled E-G-O, but ego for the Christian community stands for it erodes Easy God, God out, right? Well, it erodes God's opportunities. Oh, I like that better. I'm going to get a t-shirt with that. That's way better so than to, to non-Christians, it erodes great opportunity. Yes. Our, our ego just, it's like acid. It eats away at everything good in our life. And the children are the ones that pay for it. How do you deal with, because you especially, but giving advice to people that are listening, mm-hmm. when they are dealing with an egotistical parent, a person that's parenting from mm-hmm. a place of ego or fear or greed, what's the best right. piece of advice you can give this person so they don't snap and go crazy? Well, I heard a lot of feelings. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because okay. just the other day I had a, a mom and dad on, you know, we was doing a, a, a Skype conference, part of my strategy planning. And she was just like, well, I deserve to be able to go out with my friends and I deserve to be able to this and I deserve, I said, now, wait a minute. The goal is for, you know, your children, they got a son and daughter. I said, it's for your children to see each of you as like 14 days a month if possible, you know, each. And I said, so if you would get past your, your ego and your mouth and see that, <laughs> then you would have 14 days a month to act a fool. Yeah. If you got to go see your girls and you got to go clubbing and you got to do all this crazy shit, you got 14 days to act a fool. Be drunk, sleep in the club. I don't care. But the other 14 days, be a mom. Be there. Be with them. Present, right? To hell with social media. Don't worry about your phone. Don't worry about your friends. Be there. Love your kids and be a part of their life. Every fiber of it. Yeah, that that sounds like I don't know. That sounds like somebody that really didn't want to be a parent, though. 
But I, I guess more. Well, no, no, no. She wanted to be a parent, but she wanted the child support and the, all this other stuff. And I told her, I said, listen, you know, people got to get past this money. Kids are not an ATM and they're not a 401k plan. Right. They shouldn't be, but for a lot of people, they are. Absolutely. And that's where the system has got to change. You know, I'm talking with a couple of congressmen right now. I've got a bill that we're going to try to get turned into law in the state of Kentucky that literally changes the financial dynamic of things. Because what's, what's really important is, do the kids have what they need for school? Do they have clothes? Do they have money to eat on at school? You know, that money's not to go get your hair done. That money right. is not to go do and all I, stuff. I will say this, though, Bill. You know, I see a lot of guys like, oh, my God, I'm going to just go buy the items that she, that my child needs because I don't want her to get her hair done. I want to get her nails done or pay her rent or anything with it. Well, right. A lot of the money, I'm like, how far do these guys think that little $400 a month that they're sending? Oh, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't go that far. It doesn't go that far. And, I, you know, but one thing that like, I, I thought about it one day, because I was like, Naja, who can you write a letter to? You know, when I saw my husband going through his own battles, I was like, oh, right. this is garbage. Like, this is not built for men. And I understand why. Like you said, history shows us that right. it was Absolutely. because of men abandoning your responsibilities. Right. But I was like, do we just do away with child support completely and just automatically give everybody 50-50 custody? Because, you know, like, the system needs a clean sweep, but it's not like you can disheveled it, disassemble it right now right. and then put it back together because, you know, we live right. in a democracy. We can't do things that way. But right. what, what do we do to, like, what are some things that we can do? Like you would suggest when you're talking to these congressmen, what are you telling them to do? Well, I tell you what several states have done, and actually going back to Kentucky, they ended up being the first state who did this. Is that where it you is, are in Kentucky? I, I grew up in Kentucky, yes, okay. but I, I live in Southern Indiana. Okay. But, but the, um, uh, the governor passed a law to where now, when you first file for your divorce or you file for separation, it is an assumed 50-50 unless there's life-threatening conditions automatically right out of the gate. And that's what they're pushing for. They're and really if men knew that, because if men knew that, Bill, I think they'd be a little bit more careful too, though. Well, what? Well, I don't know. I don't know, because. Uh, but well, I think see, a lot of guys every other weekend. They're like, I'm going to see my mm -hmm. kids five days a month. I'm going to have to pay child support. That's how my life is going to be. Well, that's what men have absolutely, you know, given into because for decades it was like, hey, I'm going to get them four nights a month. Yep. And I'm going to pay this outrageous child support. And I'm going to pay alimony and I'm going to have to pay for all this and this and this and that. And then, you know, there were, let's be honest, women that abused that system, but there are men that didn't care about being dads either. But what you have now is with the invention of social media, you have women and men both who cannot get enough attention. Yeah. And they're not focused on being parents. Right. You have more dads now than ever who are raising kids by themselves because the women say, I got to discover myself or I got to be able to do this. And I should, and, you know what? Fine. But again, it's the kids that lose. Right. And if people just sit down and say, here's my schedule. Even though I hate your guts, here's my schedule. And even though you hate my guts, there's your schedule. How do we figure out where the kids, we can both see them as much as possible? People ain't going to do that. They're not going to do that voluntarily. They have to, there has to be something at stake. The court basically would probably have to force them to sit down or they would face jail time or a fine. They have to, yeah. Well, that's where most judges now are leaning. Here's what, the, you got these 70-year-old judges 
that are retiring now. And they're, they come from that generation that it's just like, give them the mom. That's just the way it is. Yeah, so no matter how. Yeah, exactly. And now you've got some of the younger judges who are like, no, wait a minute. You know, these kids are the ones that need to see the parents as much as possible. So this 50-50, I think you'll see in the next five years, will probably be standard law in every state. Now, with that, we'll also there will be adjustments in child support, how things are paid, and so on. Mm -hmm. Just like you and I talked about, you know, yesterday, uh, this app, and which, you know, we'll talk about that at another time. But there are devices and companies out there that are like, look, we've got to make this as pleasant as we can for kids, for the children. So... I think you're going to see some major changes. Are you a woman dating, engaged, or married to a man with kids? I'm Naja Hall. I'm a stepmom and a certified master stepfamily coach. After many years of running one of the most engaged and diverse blended family communities, I realized that women like us have issues and we experience feelings of isolation, confusion, and fear that are just different from any other role in our family. I've created a space just for stepmoms. This space is different because it provides a sense of community and it's not attached to your social media profiles. I've gathered licensed therapists and specifically trained experts to teach real tactics on how to deal with a high conflict ex, how to connect with your stepchildren, stepmom anxiety, and every other topic you can think of. If I'm speaking your language, then join VIPstepmom.com. A monthly membership costs less than a glass of wine. Sign up for a membership today. You know, just like I know the family court isn't for the family, dueling parents are not thinking about their children because, right. you know, you got to think about it. Divorce is a devastation of a family. It's the death of a family unit. You know, we're, what we once knew is dead and gone now, and we have to grieve. And the court will mm -hmm. embolden, especially women, mothers with a vendetta, they will embolden them to go after a man to hurt him um, yep. by weaponizing the children. Like, that's just yep. what happens. And we've seen, we've seen men also financially abuse women um through family court and so you mentioned something you said if we could all sit down people ain't sitting down like that because if you if you it was as easy as sitting down you wouldn't have had to go to court yourself 47 times well absolutely and you have those people that you just can't get through to no matter how hard you try but i will tell you what i'm seeing really quick um you know me doing the co-parenting strategy planning i see couples now that are like you know what even though they just can't stand each other they're like, why am I going to pay my lawyer $10,000? You pay your lawyer $10,000. You know, that's 20 grand. We could have done something for our child's college fund. Let's go to somebody who's neutral, who's not trying to get rich off now of this divorce. Now you pay the damn lawyer's kid's college fund. That's what exactly. you, you know, like, so yeah. That's where me doing co-parenting co strategy planning, people are like, look, we don't get along. But lay something out on paper for us that, that we think we could follow, that we might How be down. How do we get these people on the phone or on the line together if they do, in fact, hate each other? I mean, hell, if, well, if they could come together. Okay, go ahead. I, I sell people a three-hour package. Okay. And what I do is I'll spend one hour with dad. I'll spend one hour with mom separately. And then we spend one hour together. And I have the plan ready, and they've already reviewed it before we all sit down. So they've had their time to look at it, and if they're going to be mad, they've cooled off. <laughs> before we even sit down. You yeah. know, because a lot of people are programmed to, I want all of it, and I just want to hurt you. Yeah. And we've got to stop that. It, I can look at my own family situation. Like you said, how much money was just wasted because people were mad 
unable yeah. to, you know, maybe needed therapy. Yeah. Maybe needed anger management. Maybe needed um, a, another way to exercise their feelings in conflict. Have do you advocate for therapy? I mean, you're a coach. Yes. You're a coach. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, you know, in the, like in the book, I say that there's different places you can go. If you're a Christian person, if you're, you know, if you're Muslim, if you're whatever, you have a faith leader, whether it's a pastor or a rabbi, whatever the case may be. Though that's an outlet to sit down with. Then you have people like me who are co-parenting strategists. You have psychologists. You have counselors. I absolutely help. Chap, one of the chapters in my book is called Professional Help. It's some because we all need it. You know, I had a woman tell me the other day, she's like, well, I know what's best for my kid. I said, tell me how. Ooh. She, she didn't really have a, she well, I just do. I said, no, you're not born with it. It's not in your DNA. I said, when you grow up, we as adults take the shit we believed our parents told us and use it. The rest of it, we kick it to the curb mm. and implement what we think is right. Mm. So it's trial and error. Don't tell me you know all of this. You don't have this vast knowledge. Right. You're as you go we all did as parents how has the battle the conflict because uh, i know you couldn't shield your girls from everything ultimately right. how has it affected them adjusting they are so well adjusted that it blows my mind i mean you know when when their super or their visits became supervised again back in January, which that's a whole other conversation. Oh wow! Uh, they, you know, I had to tell them. I said, "Look, girls, they come over to school." I said, "I'm sorry, but you know, because of you know what happened, you're going to have to see mommy at the library now till this thing can get fixed." And I always try to give them hope, you know, that it can be fixed. It's really up to mom, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, my youngest one, the first Lily, she said, "Well, I can't see my dog." So that was the first thing that she thought oh, about. Because kids, like, kids are so then, weird. They crack me up. They just, Lily's like, yeah. what, what about my dog? <laughs> and Lexi looks at me and she goes, she did it to herself, Dad. You know, they've been through so much that kids, as long as you're honest with them, you don't have to give them all the details, but just be honest with them. Mm -hmm. What they, does honesty look like? Do you say, hey, your mom has issues and, like, how much of the past do you tell them? Like, what does honesty look like? The only thing that I tell them is that, you know, because when things change, I have to explain it. I have no other option. I have to explain it. I'll just say, girls, you know, something's happened, um, and the, the judge isn't happy about it, and we're putting a plan together to fix it so things can be normal again. But until then, this is, this is how it's got to be. And I, that's me without blaming, without pointing the finger as much as I'd like to. Yeah. I don't want to tear their mom down to them. Right. They do that themselves. Kids realize when one parent's doing wrong. We don't have to remind them of it. What happens when they start to? Because, you know, I believe that, you know, our kids are both parts of us. Like 50 mom, mm -hmm. 50 you. Oh, yeah, yeah. What happens when one of them possibly expresses a desire to go and be with her voluntarily? Um, well, I mean, that hasn't happened, but you know, if that were to happen, I would say, listen, there's a process we have to go through because there are so many things that are being corrected right now at the order of the judge. I can't go against that. There's no way I can. Okay. Bill, but, how just, in the hell, how, how have you won so many times? I mean, I just, I guess I'm, I know you've won it, but how you sat in the law, law library, you were I'm not going to say obsessed, but you're like one of these dads. You're like, all right, I'm going to make this happen. 
Were you well, ever just, afraid for talk? I want you to talk to the dad out there that knows for a fact that he's going to lose, but he can't afford to file contempt charges, but he's afraid to do it himself. Like, how would you, what would you say to him? Just inform yourself. I mean, you've got, like I did, I took all the stack of motions like this high from the history and I went through them and I read them and I picked out parts that was kind of trying to explain what I was trying to do in my first motion. Then I went into the law library and I spent a total of 23 hours in that. Not at one time, but total. Yeah. Writing his first motion. And you know, the way I see it is that anybody listening to this, if you're doing things for the right reason, if your heart is in the right place and you're not going after somebody, you know, selfishly, mm. you ain't got nothing to be afraid of. Mm. You're doing it for the right reasons. Like I told the judge, you know, the judge, the first time I had to represent myself, I couldn't hardly breathe. I had so much adrenaline pumping. Yeah. <laughs> I was mad because of why we were there. Yeah. But secondly, you know, we just were coming back, coming back, coming back. And the, and the judge said, well, do you need a minute? Because I couldn't hardly talk. I had so much adrenaline. You're like tongue-tied and nervous, oh, right? You're yeah. nervous. I said, no, Your Honor. I said, look, you know, I said, I've spoken in front of millions of people. And I'm not nervous about being here speaking. What I'm, what I'm uh, you know, bothered by is that this has to keep happening. When, when does it stop? You know, when do we just say, hey, look, what's best for the kids? And that was 47 appearances ago. That was, or no, I'm sorry, that was 17 appearances ago. When does it stop, Bill? Not for you, but for all of us. When does it stop? When you love you, when two people decide they're going to love their children more than they hate each other, that's when it stops. How do you, I mean, it's a heavy statement. When you decide that you love your kids more than you hate their other parent. Right. Because I tell them all the time, I'm like, you have to love your child more than you hate your ex. You have to. And once you do that, it will slowly fade out and it will slowly, it will eventually stop. Did you ever hate your ex? I hate what she's done. I don't hate her. I just did an interview the other day and I said, look, I don't love them. I don't love my daughters more than their mom does. I just love them in a different way. She just loves them to the best of her capacity. Yeah, that's a good answer. That's a very... That's a very smart answer that your girls can even understand. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. You know, she she had a different upbringing than I did, and she loves them to the best that she is able. Now, I ask a lot of men this. I found myself asking one, especially that I'm really close to this. What the what the hell were you thinking, Bill? Like, you didn't see any of this from the beginning. Like, you know, well, you might you gonna. I'm not gonna ask you about your personal life. But I don't know if right. you were married or anything, but you know, like. You, you know, like I'm a stepmom, and so stepmoms, we kind of have to deal with our husband's decisions before us, right? And of course, yeah. that he knows and the way that she and he are raising these children. So, Bill, what the hell right. were you thinking, man? Why'd you? Well, I will say this: um, if you know, if I could have gone six months ahead or a year ahead, <laughs> and, and it was it was genuinely an act. I mean, when you're with somebody, you're showing the best you got. And you try to, you know, just make them fall for you and whatever. For me now, I just want to say, hey, when I meet somebody, tell me what's wrong with you. I don't hear nothing good. Tell me, tell me what's wrong with you. That's why I ask people on here. Because, Bill, I feel like me and you, like, aside from this podcast, I feel like me and you okay. could be friends in real life. Like, whenever I come to Indiana, me and you, you're going to take me out. We're going to get something to drink. I'm going to introduce you to Tony. You know, we all going to go get drunk somewhere. Like, I feel like me and you going to be real friends. Like, 
Absolutely. And you know, I just like there's so many there's dads like you out there that are busting their ass. But I feel you're an anomaly because not everybody has the nuts to go and fill out their paperwork. What do you do? Like if let's just say your child's mother, and I'm thinking of instances that I read every day when I get these submissions. Oh my goodness, my my kid's mom won't let me see the kids, but it's my weekend. So you know what Mm -hmm. happens? You call the cops. The cops Absolutely. come and say, hey, here's my custody order. The cops say, oh, there's nothing I can do. Absolutely. So, so then, then what is this man supposed to do? Then you, you have that cop fill out a report, an incident report, that he either come to your house or you – actually, I tell guys, go to the police station because they're not going to do anything about it. Yeah. But go there and say, listen, this is my weekend. Here's my order. So I'm, I need something from you saying that I came down and reported this. Give me that. And then you go fill out a simple one-page motion. You can go to the window, and they will give it to you. And it's outlined. Just put down what you what you're complaining about. They give you a court date. Boom, stamp. You're there. And then you go before the judge and say, "Look, your honor, I told the judge. I said, look, I don't have all the lawyer vernacular. What I do have is the truth. Mm. Your honor, I'm just here to protect my kids, and I want them happy and healthy. Or I say our kids because they're not just mine. They're our kids. Yeah." And, and that's what you do. You go fill it out and you stand before a judge and say, look, if they tell, if they can see you're not bullshitting them, they're still going to treat you just like you're a lawyer. They're going to give you that same respect. Yeah. And, and they will see that you're there with a sincere issue and, and they will do what's best for the kids. So it's a just, guy, so a, a man, a father or any parent, I'm not just going to say that, mm-hmm. any parent that's being right. denied, let's just say a weekend, we'll start small. Because that's right, one thing right, where it right. starts, you know, you're denying visits. He needs right. to go fill out a motion and they'll give him a court date. Well, depending on the state, I'm sure. But they'll give right. him, so they give him a court date. And then what mm-hmm. do you talk about at the court date? Is this contempt? Are you filing contempt? Or yes, it- yes. You're saying that because this would be a contempt situation. Like if they didn't let you have the kids on your weekend, that is contempt of a court order. Now, you know how you've, if you've ever had a speeding ticket when you go to traffic court, everybody's there together, the whole room packed, everybody's got a ticket or whatever. Well, when you file a motion, there's a motion hearing. It's usually every Monday. At least it is in in Kentucky. Oh. So so it's still a hearing, though, but it's a motion hearing. And they say, what's your motion about? You get to explain it. And their side tells their story about it. Sometimes they may say, okay, well, we're going to refer this over to case management where everybody sits down and tries to work it out. And if not, then we'll go ahead and do it for a full-blown hearing. But even though you're there for to have your motion heard, that is still a court hearing. And it, it can get resolved right there because that judge can say, listen, here is the order. Here is the complaint that he filed when he went to the police department. You are in contempt. And they can, you know, fine her. They can do whatever the case Take may be. Take her to jail! No, I'm just kidding. And, and then when you, Yeah, and then when you start having these repetitive contempt, 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 these judges aren't dealing with it like they used to. Oh, yeah, y'all are just going to jail now. Judges yeah, will absolutely. lock an alienating parent up, honey. They will take you to jail. You be absolutely. You want to and deny those visits. Hmm. Yeah, and between that parental alienation, which is a whole other topic, but between that, the 50-50 desire for most dads now, you're going to see huge changes in the dynamic of, of co-parenting. And you know who it's going to be, um, especially with father's rights? It's fathers asserting their rights and not bending over and taking it and not being afraid yeah. that oh well dad 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, dads are programmed for so many decades that yes. that's just how it goes. So they just like, well, you know, why fight it? This is just how it is. Yeah, but you it's not. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Yeah. Oh, Bill, this is so awesome. So, what's the name of the book? Let's talk about the book. The book is called "If You Can Get Over Yourself." Co-parenting is simple. <laughs> <laughs> It's probably like 800 pages because that you, the first 60, 64 pages, 64 pages. The, the first 60 pages are probably t- telling people how to get over themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the word simple is the acronym for the six chapters. Okay. Chapter one is stop the chaos because you can't start to fix anything until you stop all the noise and all the chaos. Yes. So stop the chaos. Chapter two, it's not about you. Chapter three, make it your purpose in life because it is. Chapter four is uh, leave your kid. I mean, uh, make um, make it your life mission. Chapter four is leave the kids out of it, and then chapter six is evolve as co-parents. So it's six chapters to explain and it common like it goes sense. In chronological order too, kind of like the absolutely the life cycle of we're brand new divorcees or we just broke up or we're brand new co-parents to being okay. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm gonna list all the links by the way. You all, the only the place you can get it. Nope. The only place you can get it is at BillGobin.com on my website. BillGobin. B-I-L-L-G-O-B-I-N. B is in boy. Dot com. Dot com. Bill Gobin. Yep. I'm going to share the link, y'all, but yes. So, so you can get a paper copy. I have an audio book and I have an ebook. You all should get the audio book because uh, Bill has his cool-ass voice. Like, he has, he has his real cool voice. Hey, I don't know if you look like you talk. I don't know. I've been told I don't. But. No, you like your your diction and your tone is really surprising. So I don't know if you look like you talk, Bill, but it's kind of cool. It's so endearing, you know. I'm I'm from the South too, so. Absolutely. Well, so, I will tell you this: on, on the audio book, you'll get to hear my daughters. <gasps> get the audio book, people. Okay, and when yeah. you buy it, make sure you tell them Naja sent you, because you know we like to support our. I know I'm crazy people. Bill's part of the family now, so you know he's one of us, y'all. So we got to support him. Yes. Absolutely. Ooh, well, Bill, I really appreciate you being here with me today, with us today. I appreciate you being here. Is there anything else you want to add? Because I feel like I could talk to you for hours, but. I do want to say one last thing, because I know your audience, they, I know that they listen to you and take advice from you and they believe in your message. I really believe that. For me, I want to, and I've never done this before, so I'm officially doing it here. Hey, exclusive. Yes, exclusive. I seriously want to challenge everybody to join me in declaring war on counterparenting. Mm. It's war, bitches. It's war on counterparenting. I'm with you, Bill. I am Because we all know somebody that's going through it. We all know somebody that's going through it or, or they're going through it. Pick up a copy of the book and just say enough is enough. Start building the life that these children deserve. Mm. I'm declaring war. Period. I'm with you. I'm declaring. I'm, you know what? I'm standing right there on the front lines too, right with you, partner. I'm as declaring war with. As Bernie Mac would say, "We gonna kick this motherfucker's ass." <laughs> so y'all, he, he, Bill, actually, uh, can can I tell like the story? Yeah, tell it. Yeah, we can tell. When, when Bill was on the Steve Harvey show, um, Steve had some sort of way heard that he could do a Bernie Mac impression. And so he would not start the next segment until Bill did baby. God rest his soul. Bernie Mac impression. I know I'm doing crazy.
You gonna do it? You like I come said, on, man. Like that's I said, cool. let me say something. I ain't no damn puppet like you can pull a string, tell me to do an impression. We ain't gonna do something else. Let me tell you something. <laughs> 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 oh god. Oh, you know what, y'all? That's yeah, I think this is a good point to wrap it up. Me and Bill are gonna chat with some more, but I'm gonna let you all go. This is another episode of I Know I'm Crazy. I appreciate you guys. I love you. And I will see you Tuesday after next Tuesday because y'all know I ain't going to post them every week. So every other week, I'll see you all every other Tuesday on I Know I'm Crazy.